Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 164 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, June 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Locked On Raptors is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which shows team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Uh, sorry, I'm a little hushed this morning. I'm just recording this intro in the morning, and I got roommates to sleep and stuff, and I'm still half asleep. So, uh, on today's episode, I talked with Josh Riddell of Draft Express. I threw my big board at him. I have a collection of six guys. One of them's kind of a pipe dream, but I have a collection of my top six guys uh, for the Raptors at number 23. Talked with to Josh about them, seeing if I had any glaring guys that I missed on the list, any and what he thinks of the guys in my order. Uh, so we'll get to that right now with Josh Riddell of Draft Express. Thank you for tuning in. You can listen to this show on iTunes as well. Find it on iTunes. Please leave a rating or a review. That would be lovely if you could do that. It takes no time at all, and it really does help to move us up the rankings. It helps to support the show. Uh, so please do that. And uh, we'll be back again on Thursday. I'm not sure if I'm going to do pre-draft or post-draft. As I mentioned yesterday, I'm probably going to be at BioSteel Center covering the, the draft so I can be there for Masai and uh, Dwayne Casey's press availability afterwards. So... Uh, I might have to wait on a podcast until I get home, but we'll see, uh, so stay tuned for that. I'll definitely have one tomorrow night regardless. I'll, if I have one in the morning on Thursday, I'll, I'll also do one in the evening. I haven't really decided what my schedule is going to look like yet, uh, so stay tuned for that at least. And uh, enjoy the rest of the day, enjoy the draft, and uh, have a great one, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. All right, joining me now, a scout from Draft Express to talk about my big board for the Raptors. I sent them the list last night. And uh, I, I want someone intelligent to talk about this stuff with me because I'm not the best draft person in the world. So I figured, who better to have on than Josh Riddell from Draft Express? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, so before I get into the full big board I have here um, and start breaking down individual guys, I guess I should just say what I have for people. Uh, number one, I have OG Ananobi. Uh, this is sort of a best case scenario. I don't think he's going to fall this far for the Raptors, but I have him there. Just in case he does, he's been sort of mocked lower in the first round than I think he was earlier in the process. Number two, I have Jordan Bell. Number three, I have Semi Ojale from SMU. Number four, I have Terrence Ferguson. Number five, Derek White. And number six, Ansech Pesechniks. I screw that name up every time. Um, so, Josh, before I get into individual guys, do you think I have anyone missing glaringly from this list that I have for the Raptors at number 23? Uh, not not really. You just never know who's going to be there. So, I mean, if this is your your projection as who's going to be there, I think you know it's a good list. Okay, cool. Uh, so let's start with Ananobi. Um, again, I don't think he's going to be there for the Raptors. He wasn't invited originally to the green room, but he, he has been invited now. Uh, it's likely that he's going to go top 20. And, you know, if he didn't have the knee injury, he might be top 10, according to what most people seem to think about him. Um, do you think there's any chance at this point, based on what you've heard, based on where you think he is in terms of his just overall potential, that he falls to the Raptors at number 23? You know, yesterday I probably would have said 
there's a pretty good chance. And then, you know, he got invited to the, to the green room today. Right. So there are 20 guys. So all it takes is one guy to kind of change their minds uh, and one team to change their mind and not pick him. And then he falls to 23. But, you know, I think he has enough potential, uh, you know, enough physical, enough physical tools that he'll probably go before 23. But if he falls, you know, that's a great low first round pick. You know, he needs a lot of development. You know, he's not very skilled offensively. He's going to need a year off. Um, so, I mean, he could fall, but you, like you said, I would, I would be surprised if I would, I would I would think he would go before 22. I would, I would think he would go, you know, 15 through 20, somewhere on that range, somewhere, you know, late lottery, somewhere just outside there to a team that doesn't really need him right away. Right, right. Um, and, yeah, that's the, the position the Raptors are in, too, is they don't need to draft someone for right away either. So that's why I think NNOB, if he got there, would be a pretty interesting pick. You know, the Raptors have the D-League that they've really relied on heavily. They wanted to have him sort of season down there for a season after he gets back from his knee injury before the new year. Uh, maybe that could be a possibility. But again, I don't think it's very likely. Uh, so let's move on to number two, Jordan Bell, who of all the guys who are likely to be at number 23, obviously the fact that I have him number two here, he is my favorite potential guy for the Raptors. And I just want to sort of get your impressions of what Bell is. Do you think it's a bit of a reach to go for him at number 23, for me, I just feel like he checks all the boxes in terms of modern NBA defense and the fact that he can defend potentially like two through five, three through five. Like that is a really nice little bit of defense to have on your team, a little nice piece that you can roll out in a lot of different lineups. Uh, he seems really versatile. And I, I've just, I'm always, I've, always, I've been a big fan of Jordan Bell for the last couple of years now, even as I'm just sort of a casual college basketball fan. Every time I tune into an Oregon game, he's doing something. Um, do you think I'm reaching a little bit for Bell at 23? Because he is sort of mocked a little later, early second round for, for most people right now. No, I don't think that's a reach at all. You know, I think I'm, you know, I'm pretty high on him. I think I'm 15 on my big board. Um, so I don't know. He might not go that high, but I think. You know, when you look back on this class in, in five or so years, he might become the best big in this class because, like you said, he's a guy who can defend so many positions that he's one of the few bigs who I think can, can be on the floor late in close games. You know, I don't think that, you know, Larry Marketing is probably going to be the first big off the board is going to be able to stay on the floor because he just doesn't have the defensive prowess. Maybe maybe Zach Collins can, maybe another guy like Bam Adebayo can too, but Jordan Bell is the one guy I look at who... You know, I can pretty confidently say if a team's good and they have a close game, you know, and, and another team goes small, you can put, you can keep him out there because he can he can switch everything. He's not going to give you a whole lot offensively, mm-hmm. which might hurt him because you know teams are going to just you know shy away from him. You know, they're not they're going to not guard him that closely. And we see defenses are getting so small now that they can just kind of leave a guy. Um, but when you have a big who can run the baseline, I think that's a little harder to leave than you know someone like Andre Robinson who's, who's not going to shoot. Um, and he like, he can dunk. He, he's a good cutter. He'll, he'll rebound everything. So I mean, at twenty three, I think that's a great pick. I know a lot of people, a lot of teams aren't that high on him just because of his size. You know, like I said, his offensive limitations. But you no, know, I'd certainly take him at twenty three. I take him. I give him a look there because um, he's a he's a guy who you know can certainly play. He might not be able to play alongside your bigs mm-hmm. um, that are on the Raptors now, but he can certainly come in and be the guy who closes games on the stretch. Yeah, for me, just the reason I have him so high and why I've kind of elevated him above a lot of the other bigs who, and you'll notice from my big board, I don't have many bigs. Um, I'm just not in love with any of the guys kind of in that range. They all seem like, 
you know, energy big feels like the most likely outcome for them. And I thought Bell, just because he's so versatile defensively, I think had a bit more upside there. And just within a group of guys who all seem to be kind of flawed or, or sort of undeveloped, I think Bell's defense might be the most advanced skill of any of those guys. So that's why I kind of opted for him. Uh, you mentioned his offensive shortcomings. Do you think there's room for him to grow? I think he was 3 of 20 outside of 17 feet this season. Um, and he's mostly kind of an around-the-rim guy. Do you think there's room for him to grow and become more of a modern NBA offensive player, or is that always going to be a liability for him? Yeah, I think just saying that someone's going to become a jump shooter is just really easy to do now. Like, you just expect him, and he's going to go in there, a team's going to ask him to shoot. You know, maybe he'll do good at it, maybe he won't. You know, we just don't know what his comfort level is going to be. We don't know if that's where his role is going to be. Like, I don't know why you would want to take him away from the basket, take him away from you know, the rebound position, the lob position on off drive. Like if guys leave him, he's gonna get into passing lanes for lobs and, and dunks and you know, I'm not just I'm just I know that everyone wants their guy to shoot from the mid range, but I just don't know if if you need him to. And you know, he's gonna give you enough defensively and enough he's just gonna give you enough offensively that, you know, jump shooting will be nice, but it's not I don't think it's gonna be necessary to for him to see the floor. Yeah, and the thing to keep in mind here for people who you know are looking at with the Raptors at number 23 is like you're not getting perfect players at number 23. They're always going to have some sort of flaw. Otherwise, they'd be you know lottery picks. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, that kind of leads me to number three on my big board, Semi Ojale from SMU. He's a guy who I've kind of fluctuated on. I kind of started out a little slow on him, a little low on him, just because I wasn't a fan of his feel for the game and just sort of his passing and just his kind of... Just basketball IQ, at least from what I've watched from him. Uh, and that's kind of a thing that the Raptors are in need of. We saw in the playoffs, they just didn't have enough guys who were able to make intelligent plays when things broke down for the guards. And Ojale, I think, you know, if he was to be on the Raptors, obviously, you know, first year, who knows how much a rookie plays. But, like, I feel like he wouldn't be a solution to that problem. But as I've gone on and sort of looked at the rest of the guys in the range, and again, I said I mentioned how I'm not very big on a lot of the bigs that are involved in this sort of range. Uh, Ojale's kind of cropped back up for me as someone I'm interested in. I think the fact that he can be a three and a four, maybe just a, a pure four, considering his sort of with the, the the his off the dribble game in, at the wing spot isn't really refined at this point, and it feels like sometimes he doesn't really use his athleticism the way he could because he is such a ridiculous athlete and he's cut and he just looks like a monster out there. Uh, but I think just the fact that he can be sort of a modern type player, similar to Jordan Bell, uh, defend multiple positions and also shoots threes pretty well. Uh, that is attractive to me, and I'm kind of okay to overlook the, the lack of an IQ thing. Do you think I'm over overestimating or sort of underestimating how good he could be in terms of making basketball plays and, and just being an intelligent player on the floor, or is that kind of a thing that stands out to you as well? No, like you said, you're not going to get a perfect player at, at, at 23, and Sam is certainly not perfect. And you know, I was listening to the to the Dunk Dunk podcast with Kevin Pelton uh, today, and, and Pelton made a point where, you know, if – if your body, if you, if you, if your body type is so unique that you have to be, you know, exceptional at one skill, you know, it's it's not easy to replicate. And I think, you know, I kind of waffle on Semi because we just ne- we just never seen a player with his athletic build come into the league before. Mm-hmm. Or, or rarely, you know, he's built like a linebacker. He's huge. You know, some people have said his shoulders are so wide that he. They don't know how well he's going to move in space, mm-hmm. which might be which might be a, a valid concern. Um, but I just see a guy who you know he can use his size. Like if you put a smaller guy on, him, he's going to use his size to back him down into the person the three point line. And I think like I was watching tape on him last night, and I think you know he actually sees the floor kind of well. Like 
I don't think he has a great feel for the game. He's not a great playmaker. Like, you know, you would expect everyone to compare him to Draymond Green, and he's not going to be that. But he's a guy who, who's going to keep his – he's going to back guys down uh, from the three-point line, and, like, he's going to keep his head up. He's going to find cutters. He's going to find shooters. Like, he can make some plays. He'll, he'll, he'll have some assists. And then you put a bigger guy on him, you know, he's got enough game off the dribble that he's going to get by a slower guy. He's not going to beat a three off the dribble, but he could be – you know, slow power forward off the dribble, you know. and But I just don't know how his defense is going to be. Right. That's my biggest question on him. Like, his, I think his wingspan is, you know, 6'9". You compare that to Draymond Green, who's, you know, 7'1", 7'2". Uh, he didn't block a whole lot of shots. He didn't get a whole lot of steals. You know, you, th- you, you think he's a guy who's going to be versatile, but you just don't know how it's going to translate against NBA guys. Like, you see, you see him do that against – you see him switch against college guys. You think, oh, you could switch against NBA guys, but that's just a whole different ball game. So, you know, I, I like him at 23. Like, I don't think it would be a bad pick, but, you know, I kind of waffle on him like you. Like, every time I watch him, I, I come up with a different opinion of him. So, <laughs> Well, I'm glad that I've had the similar experience to you because you know what you're talking about, and I certainly don't. Um, so... Let's uh so so if we were to compare it to Jordan Bell, I'm looking at your big board right now. And by the way, people check out Josh Riddell uh, on Twitter, Joshua Riddell. He's got uh, the, on his pinned tweet. It's a uh, it's a great G, uh, a Google Doc with his with his whole big board, and it's a uh, it's a fantastic resource to just sort of look how an intelligent person would rank these guys. Uh, so you have Jordan Bell 15, you have Ojale at 25. In terms of the Raptors context, would you still say Bell ahead of Ojale if you were to be ranking for the Raptors? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think you know. And that, for every team, I think I would take Jordan Bell over Sammy by a, right. a lot. Right, okay. I think Jordan Bell can play for every team. You know, Sammy's going to need to be a guy who, you know, he can be a complimentary player. He'll be able to shoot, but he's just going to need to be a guy who's going to need this, a good situation around him. Right, okay. Uh, number four for me, I have Terrence Ferguson. And this guy is one of the more unknown prospects in the draft. He played in Australia last year instead of going to the NCAA. And for me, like, he, I keep going back and forth on him, too, because it feels like he can be sort of a, a quintessential 3 and D type wing. Uh, he seems to have the, have the athleticism for it. And me, being a, a massive Terrence Ross fan, uh, when he was with the Raptors, like, Ferguson kind of reminds me a lot of Terrence Ross. So maybe I'm just kind of, uh, maybe he endears himself uh, to me in that way. Uh, what do you make of Ferguson? I, and do I have him too high at number four on the Raptors big board? No, I think, you know, Around there is good. I just don't know. But like you said, I don't. A lot of teams didn't see him. I don't, I don't think. You know, I'm sure they saw him like once or twice mm-hmm. uh, live. Um, the one thing that we know he can do is shoot the ball. You know, he showed that, and I think it was. I forget. I think it was the Hoop Summit last year. You know, I think he had like seven threes, uh, and then he was going to go to Arizona, but I don't think that he he had the grades. I think is what his issue was. So right. he went to Australia. He didn't shoot as well in Australia. Um, but, you know, take it with a grain of salt because he's playing in a pro league as, you know, an 18-year-old, you know, playing against guys who dominate the NCAAs 20 or five years ago who are now, you know, 27, 28. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a tough competition. It's a physical league. You know, you got into some altercations with some guys. You got suspended for a game, I think, for throwing the ball at a guy after a, free, after a foul shot. Um, the one thing, I wish he would have gone to Arizona just so we could see how much playmaking he has. Right. You know, he played a very specific role. For uh, Adelaide, which is basically, I think, his similar role that he's going to play in the NBA, which is basically a, a spot shooter. But, you know, we just don't know if he has any shot creation ability. Um, so I think that'll kind of be the key to his game. Like, is he going to be a true 3 and D guy, like you said, a Terrence Ross, a Danny Green? Or does he have any ability to create off the dribble? And, and I think that, you know, that's going to make or break 
his his career arc. If he if, if he does, then he's going to be a little bit better than than someone like that. If not, then you know that's a valuable player at the end of the first round because you know those guys always need you know someone. He's six seven. He'll probably be able to go you know one through three maybe. You know I think we know that he can he can get hot. We saw that against guys his age in high school. Um, so I think that'd be a nice pick at twenty three. Do you see him being a guy who might just be a straight G League guy for the entire season in his rookie year and then potentially move up to the big league club afterwards? Uh, it's possible. You know, I think he already had, you know, the fact that he has pro experience would definitely help him. Right, right. So it just a matter. I think he's, you know, he'll probably, it'll be a little bit easier for him to adjust the speed of the game, which I think is what rookies always need the G League for. Um, but it's just a matter, you know, it's just a matter of, of opportunity for him, like whether, you know, he shoots well in, in, in summer league and, and training camp, whether, you know, a, a, the coach thinks he's ready for him to, to play in the NBA right away, or whether he thinks he needs, you know, small game reps down there in the G League, because like I said, he didn't shoot that well in Australia, so he's really going to need to shoot well against pros from the NBA line to, to show that, you know, he's worthy of minutes. Right, okay. Uh, 27 is where you have Terrence Ferguson on your board. At 22... You have Derek White, the guard from Colorado. Uh, he's a really interesting case because he only had one year in D1 playing for Colorado, but he loaded up the stat sheet, which you feel like probably translates pretty well into a, a decent NBA player. Um, I kind of go back and forth on him too, and that's kind of a recurring theme with a lot of these guys. I can't really come up with a strong opinion on any of them. Uh, White, I think, looks like a really refined offensive player to me, but I worry about his athleticism. I worry about like his first step doesn't seem to be very fast, and I worry about him on defense being able to stay in front of guys or be physical enough to sort of defend bigger guys if he's going to defend twos or threes. Uh, and the Raptors like to have, if they were to draft White, I mean, he would be thrown into a lot of two and three guard lineups because that's what the Raptors love to do. Um, do you sort of, like, you have White at 22, so obviously you like him more than a couple of guys I have on here. Um, what do you make of his sort of perceived lack of athleticism? Is that being a bit overstated? Uh, you know, it's definitely a question. You know, his story is really interesting because he played at, you know, Division Two, mm-hmm. and then he played one year at Colorado for a bad Colorado team. So, you know, not a whole lot of draft people were paying attention to him. And then, you know, he kind of burst onto the scene after the season. And then all of a sudden, everyone was scrambling to go back and watch tape on him. So, you know, you do wonder about, you know, the fact that he's not a super athlete. You know, he's only 6'5". You know, is he going to be able to get his shot off in the in the NBA? But, you know, he seems to be really composed on the ball. You know, he's not going to get rattled. He can he can get to his spots. But even though if you're not an athlete, if you can if you can see the defense and you, and you know where to go, you can predict what the defense is going to do, then, you know, sometimes that's better than an athlete who has no feel. So it's definitely it's definitely you know a concern. That's why he's a late first rounder. That's why he wasn't a draft pick. Why he wasn't more hyped throughout the year, I think. But mm-hmm. then you know when he went to play against seniors at the Portsmouth tournament at the end of the year, like he kind of blew up, had a nice couple of days. So I think you know scouts kind of saw you know that he can run an offense. He can play. He can play on or off the ball. You know, like you said, he can play in in, in, a, in any number of lineups. So you know his versatility is definitely going to help, even though he's not like you know a Donald Mitchell type athlete. Right. Uh, does the fact that he's kind of a late bloomer concern you at all? Like, what's sort of the history of guys who kind of come on very late and then, you know, enter the NBA draft after one real real season of actual production? Like, is there a, sort of a checkered history with those guys that they t- tend to turn out pretty well? Is there not enough data on those guys to really have uh, a real clue on what it means for an NBA player to be kind of a late bloomer like White? Yeah, it, I mean, it's just so mixed because it just yeah. varies from guy to guy because, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot too, like, 
if you look at someone like John Collins, you know, he or someone like DJ Wilson, right? So DJ Wilson was six seven as like a junior in AAU ball. Mm-hmm. So he's playing the perimeter and all of a sudden he grows three inches. And now he's a six ten big man, but he's got the skills of a of a six seven wing. So he's not very tough. You know, he doesn't have the body. He didn't fill out his body with strength. You know, he's, he's not used to banging around the inside. So, you know, I think it's easy to say, like, oh, he's just going to be able to to, to bulk up because he's a late bloomer. You know, he's just getting used to his body. You know, he played two years at Michigan. Um, but, we, like, we just don't know if that's ever going to happen, if he's ever going to want to play inside. You know, same thing with Derek White. Like, you know, he's only had one year of high-level coaching, and that was even for, like, a college team that's not that great. So, like... What's what's been his quality of coaching throughout his collegiate career, and when he gets to the NBA, is is a better developmental coach going to be able to unlock, you know, some skills that you know some of the coaches he's had up to this point haven't been able to unlock. Like we just don't know because it's so varied from case to case. But I think that being a late bloomer can definitely help uh, a person's profile and scout size. But you know what happens after that? There's not really you know one path that these guys take. Right, fair enough. Uh, the one thing that I like about White is that he would add, as I mentioned, the Raptors need high IQ players, they need playmakers. He definitely seems to have those uh, those skills in, in his toolbox. Uh, let's move on to the final guy on my big board here, and you have him at number 33 on your board, and again, I'm going to screw up the name, Anses Pasekniks, the Latvian who played for Grand Canaria last year. Um, I believe he still has a year on his contract left in Spain, if I'm not mistaken, um, so he might not. He might be kind of a stash guy if the Raptors were to take him. Um, where, where are you at with him? I tr- struggle with him as well. Just, the, I mean, there's limited stuff to watch on him, but he really does seem like another one of these big men in this range that seems a little bit flawed. For me, I just kind of like him because where a lot of these guys seem like they have like the interior game kind of down, he seems to have the perimeter game down, which I think is a little bit more valuable when you're looking at bigs, especially with the Raptors where, you know, Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, these guys might never, ever be shooters. Same with Jonas Valanciunas. So Paseknik's might offer a little bit of a different look to the Raptors front court. Uh, but I still, whenever I watch him, I kind of get shades of Andrea Bargnani, oddly enough, which, you know, is not very nice to hear if you're a Raptors fan. But at the 23rd pick, like, I think that skill set is is kind of, it's reasonable to shoot for. Am I off base with that comparison? I mean, it's a very easy comparison, European big to European big. Um, but he seems like he might not be the best rebounder in the world. He seems like he might have a bit of a perimeter game. Um, obviously, you're not as high on him as you are the rest of the guys on my big board here. What do you think of Pasekniks, though? Yeah, like, I think he's just one of those guys who's really hard to evaluate. I was the same way with Chris Taps Porzingis, right. you know, a couple of years ago. Like, you know, he looks he looks kind of good in limited minutes. You know, he's playing the ACB League, so that's, that's great experience. Um, but you just have to worry about, like you said, his toughness around the basket. You know, Chris Taps from day one came in, all of a sudden he's, you know, he's dunking over guys, he's mean-mugging guys. You know, that wasn't something that he showed in the ACB League, and then all of a sudden he had it, like, as soon as he came to the NBA. So, like... If Pesesnik has that, you know, in his back pocket that he flips a switch on in the NBA, then all of a sudden, you know, and then he rebounds, you know, he he he, he protects the rim, then all of a sudden, you know, that's he's going to wildly outperform, you know, my ranking of him at, you know, 31 or, or late 30s. But, I mean, you, you have to love a 7-2 guy who can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think he's as mobile as some of these other big men. Um, like you said, you know, he could be, Andrea Bonyani, which is the low end, he could be Ryan Anderson, which is the high end. You know, it's a matter of these guys come over here. Can they shoot with confidence? You know, can they defend with confidence? You know, do they defend with any toughness? Um, you know, guys like that. You know, they might they might not be like the superstar 
potential because I don't think he has a whole lot to his game right now other than, you know, his perimeter shooting. But, you know, you know, I think Draft Express put out a workout video of him and, you know, he seems to move well on the floor. Um, so I, he, there's a, there's some stuff to like, but I think his game, you know, is still in development. You know, I think, I think you're right. I think he still does have a year left. So, like, maybe a year in a bigger role will help him. But when you're 21 and you're not playing on, on a – you know, a decent uh, at best, uh, yeah, ACB team. You got you got to wonder, you know, why that is. Um, you know, maybe he's not the the most ready for, uh, you know, high level competition. Yeah, that's fair. And he was a guy who I just kind of put at the end of my board because, like I mentioned, I'm just not in love with the most of these guys in the Raptors range. Like, if the Raptors could find a way to turn this pick into something tangible to help the roster right now, I'd be okay with that. I mean, the Raptors are in a tough financial situation where they might not be able to do that, and like. You know, trying to replicate, say, what the Hornets did last year, getting Marco Bellinelli for number 22. Like that, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing that kind of deal for the Raptors, but it just might be hard considering the financial situation they're in. Uh, so they're probably going to take this pick. I don't see them trading up. I don't see them really trading out of this spot either. Um, so with all of that in mind, is there someone who, I mean, the Raptors in, over the course of Masai Ujiri's history haven't been afraid to reach on guys that they like. Uh, you know, Pascal Siakam was undrafted in a lot of mock drafts last season. Uh, you know, Bruno Caboclo came out of nowhere. Is there anyone that we haven't talked about here who maybe is sort of hanging around the lower ranges of the, of the second of, of the mid second round or somewhere like that that you think could make sense for the Raptors to reach on at number twenty three? Yeah, just it, I mean, it's just so hard because you don't know who's going to be there, and you, yeah. you know, especially for the Raptors, you know, what's Kyle what's Kyle Lowry going to do? You know, Kyle Lowry if Kyle Lowry leaves. You know, I could see him taking like a Frank Jackson from Duke, who you right. know he's not a true point guard, but you know you could shift kind of the rotation around. You can maybe move Corey Joseph up to, to the starter, and then you know you bring Frank Jackson off the bench to kind of play like a Lou Williams type role. Right. Um, you know maybe that's a good pick. You know, you know maybe pick take a, one of these athletic power forwards like a Jonah Bolden or Cam Oliver. Like maybe you know you take a lot. You, you know you take a, a fly on those guys. You know, not the not the highest character guys. You know, some questions with their effort level, some questions with, you know, the the selfishness level. Um, but they're so athletic. You maybe just take a chance on them, see if you can put them in. You know, they they're kind of similar to Siakam. They're a little bit more skilled than Siakam, um, but maybe you kind of try to to hit a hit a home run there. Um, other than that, like the that area of the draft is just going to be so littered with big men who. I don't see as ever being more than bench big men. I think that's right, kind of right. what you're talking about, like Justin Patton. Yeah. Uh, uh, Anik Bogu. Yeah, yeah Anik yeah. Bogu. Uh, Tony Bradley. Some of those guys, like, they're, they're going to be nice players. Um, I think that they're going to, you know, be able to play 10 minutes a game. But, you know, at 23, you know, it's not uh, it's not a very exciting pick uh, for a team to take. You know, it's, it's more of a safe pick. I think you can get a lot out of them. Or you can get something out of them, but you know maybe they're they're more willing to swing for the fences with a guy like maybe Cam Oliver or Jonah Bolden. Yeah, these twenty five minutes, of course, have been irrelevant because the Raptors are going to take Kyle Kuzma from Utah because they only take Utah players. Uh, can you give a he's, quick? He's not a bad pick too, you know. Hey. Yeah, give us give us a quick uh, report on, on Kyle Kuzma. He's not a guy I've actually really researched much, but it, the fact that he's from Utah means that he's definitely coming to the Raptors. <laughs> well, I know. Uh, uh, Draft expresses Mike Smith is really high on him. I know he's seen him a couple times in person. Uh, you know, long wingspan. You know, kind of the the three and D from the four spot. Maybe can play a little five. Right. Uh, 
in very specialized lineups. Uh, really versatile. Uh, you know, he, he's going to go late. He's going to go later than you would expect just because, you know, he doesn't really create off the dribble. And I think, you know, when you take a guy who you want to play down the stretch, you need someone who, who can attack a closeout, who can, who can make plays. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kuzma's there yet. Um, so I think that's kind of holding him back. But, you know, we see these guys all the time that they have one skill that maybe they didn't need to show in college and they get to the NBA they get in a smaller role that they, they, you know, they work on that skill and all of a sudden they're, they're doing it. So, you know, Kyle Kuzma, you know, I, I think he'd probably go later. You know, I definitely have my, some big concerns about him, but you know, at 23, you know, I, I, he could definitely go there and, and you know, I think that'd be a nice pick too. Uh, okay. I think that's all I have for you, man. Uh, thank you for not ripping apart my big board too much. Uh, it was nice to have an educated person who's a lot smarter than me on here to talk about it. Um, where can people check out the work you've been doing ahead of the draft? Yeah, Draft Express, you know, it's Tuesday tonight, so two more days for the draft. After the draft, there'll be a lot of stuff, too. And then on Twitter, uh, at Joshua underscore Waddell. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks a lot. All right, great stuff, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. I figured this is probably a pretty crazy week for you. So uh, and I, I was listening to Blake's podcast today, and I guess he's having you on, too, for uh, yeah. Republic. Oh, uh, yeah. So. I'm doing two rounds, one back-to-back. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah. Great stuff, and uh, hopefully we talk soon. Yeah, anytime. Cheers, man. Oh, uh, thanks. Napa know how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17